Hello, I'm Smitha Tharoor and welcome to Stories of Unconscious Bias, a podcast where I ask guests from around the world to share their story and to reflect on their life experiences with unconscious bias. I hope you enjoy listening. They were recorded globally under COVID-19 lockdown conditions. Thank you so very much for joining our conversation on the unconscious bias. Listeners, I'd like to introduce AJ Jua to you. AJ Jua is a transgender guy. He's living in New Zealand. He grew up in the UK and moved with his family when he was 15 to Auckland, where he finished high school. He's currently based in Christchurch, where he studied at the National Academy of Singing and Dramatic Art. He has a degree in performing arts, and AJ is now pursuing a career as an actor. So I'm thrilled that AJ has volunteered to have a conversation with me to explore and talk about what he understands about the unconscious bias. So thank you very much, AJ, for joining this conversation. Uh, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So to begin with, AJ, before we even talk about proper stories and so on, when you just hear these words, unconscious bias, which seems to be increasingly popular these days, what do you understand by the meaning of those words? Um, I think I understand that, well, I personally believe that everyone, every single person has some sort of unconscious bias. Um, so for me, even though I'm try to consider myself as a very progressive person and a very accepting, open-minded person, I know that because of my upbringing, um, and because of my place in society and all those things that, um, I still have to work to pay attention to my own prejudice. Um, and I think that's what unconscious bias is. That's, that's absolutely right. Uh, I mean, that's the beauty about this particular two words, really, because it's what it means to us is what makes it unconscious bias. And when we're talking about unconscious bias, you know, I, because of what I do for a living, have had the privilege of hearing some amazing stories how we are influenced because of X, Y, or Z, and then we have unconscious biases. And I thought I might just uh, share a story with you that that somebody else shared with me. So um, this was actually in India. Um, This gentleman probably would have been in his 50s, maybe. And he was sharing a story about when he was a kid, maybe 10 or 12 years old. He was in school in Um, It was whole school assembly. So whole school assembly, as you can imagine, is when the parents are invited and the parents were all in the front and all the children of the school were at the back. And being the age he was, he was getting bored. So he was taking Mm. little pieces of paper, crushing them, making little paper pellets and then flicking them into the audience. Well, the head teacher caught him and hauled him up on stage and then made him kneel on stage for the rest of the assembly. Wow. That, yeah, it was, it was very, very powerful and painful, very traumatic. And that traumatic experience was, was so painful for him. I mean, you know, he was giving, telling me the story easily 40 years later, maybe, maybe more. I can't remember, you know, how old he was uh, when, when, he, when it actually happened to him. But the experience of being humiliated and traumatized like that in front of not just his parents, but in front of 
so many other adults, gave him a lifelong unconscious bias towards people in positions of authority. Wow. And that was just incredible because when he started, when he became an adult and started working and was working, and then obviously you might have a line manager, he was finding it very difficult to, to answer to the person. It didn't matter whether the line manager was a man or a woman, that wasn't the point, mm-hmm. but he wasn't able to. Uh, and long story cut short, he had the understanding and the epiphany that he had this unconscious bias uh, towards people in positions of authority ahead, for want of a better word, and now runs a very successful business. So there is a, a positive outcome to this story. But right, there's yeah. one one example. So when you're hearing when you're hearing stories like this, what kind of stories come to your mind? Um, like stories about me. Please, that would be wonderful if you, if you can share. Um, okay, yes. So that's really interesting. Um, I. So the one particular story that comes to mind, um, so as you said earlier, I'm a trans guy, um, but I only recently like came out and came to terms with all that. So I'm 22, but I spent the majority of my life, I guess, living like as a woman, um, even though I'm not one. And when I was 19 years old, um, I actually worked as a stripper at a strip club. Um, and... I remember I, I actually kind of I, I kind of hate this um, and it's something that I recognized and I worked to basically reflect on and be like, I think this is a bad like bias to have um, and a bad prejudice to have. But whilst I was working as a stripper, um, I had some like quite unpleasant experiences, which I guess is expected, even though I don't think it should be that way. Um and a lot of my worst experiences, um, like worst, like worst interactions I had with customers, were with men who were brought up and from India. Um, and so, but also, I mean, generally, I had pretty terrible interactions with many, many customers, no matter where they came from, what race, um, what walk of life they were on. Um, but I sort of became extremely defensive when I eventually quit that job, um, around men and especially Indian men, um, because I felt like they were always, I don't know, like gonna do something horrible or invasive or sexual. And for, for quite a while after that job, I, I was probably like racist in my interactions and I really don't like that. (laughs) And, 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 and I'm really appreciating that you're sharing this with me, uh, because as you know, I'm Indian. Uh, we yeah. met and you know what we, you and I look like. Uh, uh, and, yeah. and, um, and the fact that you can share this with me, I really appreciate that. And, um, and I'm glad it's the men and not the women. So at least we're chatting. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm being a bit silly. But no, more seriously, though, um, when, when, when that happens, um, it's very powerful, like that young man, yeah. oh, who, who, well, the man who became in his fifties, the young kid, who then was protecting himself. That's what you were doing as well, aren't you? You, you, you yeah. had such difficult experiences with men in general, but particularly Indian men, that you're thinking, hang on a minute, I don't want to be communicating with this group of people yeah. because I don't feel safe. And yeah. so you're just instinctively, unconsciously, implicitly keeping yourself safe that's essentially what you are doing aren't you 
Yeah, and like, I mean, as I said, like, it was with Indian men, but also in general, it was just men. Like, I think I'm someone who um, has always uh, self-identified as a feminist. Um, I was brought up as a feminist, and when I got... To, when I started studying in tertiary education, I found myself um, surprisingly surrounded by a lot of people who were very anti-feminist and they said that they were all for equality, but they were anti-feminist and that feminism is outdated. And I had a lot of people telling me that feminism is not necessary um, within the developed world anymore. And I really heavily questioned um, my all of my ideologies around feminism and gender and stuff like that. And then when I went and worked at that strip club as a stripper, um, I, <laughs> sort of all of my ideas I had held my whole life, um, but wasn't completely sure about just became completely reinforced. And I, I felt really strongly fem- feminism is still really important. Um, sexism is still very present. Um, and the way men treat women is still pretty atrocious. Um, and so coming out of that, um, yeah, as like a thing to protect myself, I I became like very defensive and much more like aggressive and I well not aggressive but probably like I became more hostile um when men would talk to me and stuff like that. Um and it's funny because I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this and we were saying how, you know, there have been times, there were actually three of us talking about how there have been times when, like, maybe a friend who is a man, like a cis man, will, like, see you on the street, but you just, you don't recognize them because maybe you're walking. And so you see just, like, a man out of the corner of your eye and you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want you to talk to me because I'm so tired of men talking to me and harassing me and I just want them to leave me alone. So you just ignore them and you ignore them for ages until you realize that it's your friend trying to get your attention. And you're like, oh, hi. Um, and it's like this weird thing where you're you're trying to protect yourself and then one of my friends said yeah and you just have to do it don't you and I I was like oh my god like I don't know does it have to be that way to protect ourselves but yeah it's really interesting in fact there are many things that are coming to my mind when when you when you're telling me this but this particular story one actually is 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 the obvious one so you are a feminist uh, what Hmm. what do you mean by that? Because it's, I mean, all of us have our own understanding of what we see ourselves as. I would like yeah. to say I'm a feminist too. And maybe what that means to me could may not be what it means to you. So I'm just curious to know what that means to you. That's sort of my first part of the question. Yeah, great. Um, feminism to me is, I think feminism to me is acknowledging that we have um, inherited a society which advantages and disadvantages certain people from different groups. Um, and quite often, I think it advantages cis men and disadvantages cis women. Um, but for me, in my like personal understanding of feminism, I think I go a lot further than that and I consider myself like an intersectional feminist. So for me, I think I really have to acknowledge not just inequality between men and women, but inequality um, between people of color and Caucasian people and inequality for all minority groups. Um, And I also like to acknowledge that um, even though I suppose the patriarchy um, heavily disadvantages uh, women, 
I think there are also disadvantages for all of us, um, for men, for women, for people who, don't, who don't identify as either. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's uh, fairly succinct. Thank you for that, AJ. And a second part of the same conversation of what you've just shared with me earlier was the fact that you chose to go to a strip club and, and you know, to be, to be part of the scene, to be, to, be, mm. to be a stripper artist. Is that the correct phrase? I'm not sure. Um, sure, and yeah. I'm curious to know your thinking between these two things because I suspect there might be a link. But I'm just yeah. curious, why did you choose to be a, a, a strip girl? Is that the phrase? I, correct me, please, if I've said it wrong, but yeah. That's right. Um, well... As I said, like I'm a transgender guy, but at the time I had not come to terms with uh, my gender identity. So I was, um, I guess, going through the world as a woman and presenting that way and seeing myself that way. Um, why did I become a stripper? Well, it did have something to do with my feminism um, and also just my personality in general. Um, I'm a pretty extreme person, and so I hate doing things <laughs> okay this sounds really dumb now and I'm saying it. I was gonna say I hate doing things I don't enjoy obviously we all hate doing things we don't enjoy um mm-hmm. but I guess I've I just I really it was whilst I was studying and um I had a lot of friends who had part-time jobs on the weekends or in evenings um and they sort of would just like grin and bear it and be like, oh, I hate my hospitality job, but I have to do it. Um, but I was just even more resistant to the point where I just, I, I hated, I hated going and doing anything but what I loved, which was performing. Um, and so I've always been someone who just sort of just wants to be able to make easy money. Um, and I'd heard that stripping was easy money in some ways. Um, and I was also curious to find out if I was someone who felt comfortable with um using my body to make money because that's really what it is I don't I don't see sex work as selling your body I think it's just using your body and and using your skills um and I wanted to know whether I'd be comfortable with that so I thought I'd give it a go fantastic and that's very honest of you and I really appreciate that and so you know, certainly one of the unconscious biases which actually now are conscious because you've shared it with me so it's no longer hidden away is is that after that experience you know you you were instinctively protecting yourself from men in general most men and then specifically people yeah. who could have been you know south asian men indian men maybe they're from yeah. pakistan maybe they're sri lanka but essentially they looked from india and that yeah. that was you know oh my god i'm not going to have anything to do with them but what yeah. else what else could could do you think you might have what kind of other unconscious biases do you think you may have got from that experience um well from any well, other experience think... it doesn't have to be the same yeah that's all good um i don't really i can't think of many unconscious biases i gained from that experience specifically other than sort of like that more like hostile <laughs> um, way of interacting with men in my day-to-day life which i i tried to deal with because i thought you know i can't just be mean to every single man who talks to me um because some of them are just being nice like they're not they're not trying to gain anything from me um but something i will say is that um i assumed when i joined the strip club so at the time i was identifying sort of as like gay i guess um because i've always been attracted to women 
Um, I've always been attracted to all people, but I guess being attracted to women was like a really big part of my identity. Um, and when I started stripping, I actually went into that club and I thought I'm going to have to hide this because if the other strippers know that I'm attracted to women, they might be really uncomfortable around me. Um, and so I assumed <laughs> that everyone would be straight. Um, and then so many of the strippers working there, I'd actually say probably the majority were queer in some way. They weren't all lesbians, but almost like a big like group of them were partially or completely attracted to women. So that really surprised me. That's fascinating. See, once again, you know, we, 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 we jump to conclusions. You say if you're going to yep. a strip club, you're going to see women. Surely they're doing this for a living. Surely they must be heterosexual. This is what they feel. And then one, you're actually in there. It's only when you really experience it that you recognize that actually that's that's not the case at all. And, yeah. um, and that's just one example amongst many, I'm sure, where you assume something and then you get a different outcome. This, yeah. this is uh, fasc fascinating stories that you're sharing, AJ. I appreciate it. Uh, but while we're continuing to talk about the fact that, you know, you were you're 22 now. So this was when you were 18, which is just just four years ago. So would, would you mind sharing a little bit about your your sort of um, story between 18 and 22? And and yeah. if you've had any, you know, what kind of epiphanies or unconscious biases or or conscious uh, decisions that yeah. made you go in the direction that you have today? Yes, I can. Um, so I was actually 19 when I became a stripper, but that's, um, but I'll still like share my story from 18 till now. Um, so I would say probably one of the, well, it is not probably, it is <laughs> the biggest and hardest thing I've had to um, work through and accept um, is accepting my identity as a transgender person. Um, so when I was 18 and I moved to Christchurch to study um, at the time, and I'd say through my teen years, I sort of built this identity for myself where I felt like I was different to everyone else. Um, and I didn't really know why, but I just knew that I was attracted to women. And so I sort of put it down to like being gay. And I was like, oh, I'm obviously just a gay woman. And so that was the identity that I built for myself. And um, I was definitely one of those people where uh, someone else might say, oh, their whole identity is about being gay because it was. <laughs> um, and something that I realized in retrospect is I I think I built that identity for myself um, as a tool um, to deny uh, some of the ongoing questions which I had in my mind about my gender identity. Um, and so I, I, I built this identity where I was like, I'm a lesbian and I will only ever date women and I'm only attracted to women and I do not want to date men because I don't like them. Um, and that was how I saw myself. And then when I was 19... I started dating someone, um, and when I met that person, that person was also um, identifying as a woman and living as a woman, and after a year of us dating, he came out to me as a trans man, um, and it was really challenging for me <laughs> um, because there we were dating for about a year um, by that point, and yeah, I 
sort of thought to myself, I'm a woman dating a woman. And I was really pleased about that. But there were lots of signs that he didn't feel that way. Um, lots and lots of signs. And looking back, I'm like, honestly, I was so scared that I just pretended I looked the other way and I pretended it wasn't happening until I couldn't anymore. Um, and he, he came out to me as a trans man. And for me, I think like that sort of like shattered my identity because I was like, but how can I be dating a man? I specifically said that I wouldn't like, I don't, I'm not attracted to men. I, I don't want to date men, but he so it was sort of like, um, it was like a surprise Gosh. attack, but of course it wasn't. And that's a really stupid bigoted way to look at it. But I felt like almost tricked. And then, um, but in that, I think, I thought to myself, well, I can either, you know, be a massive bigot and break up with him because I've decided I'm not attracted to him anymore because he's transgender, or I can keep loving him for who he is because he's the same person as he was before. And I, I realized when I tried to accept him how right that was for him, and it made me open my mind Um to what being transgender was. So before that, I I accepted transgender people, um, but in my head, and this was something that I wouldn't say to anyone, I, I sort of thought, oh, isn't that weak to change your body? Like, shouldn't you accept your own body? And I think um, even though him and I, we ended up breaking up a while after that for other reasons, and, you know, our relationship wasn't the greatest. But looking back, I think he, dating him meant that I opened my mind a lot, and it helped me, um, work out some of those prejudices I had against transgender people. And it was because of that that I had the room to then think about my own gender identity. So um, that's something that I'm really grateful for. It's a very big thank you to this person, isn't it, Gosh? Yeah. Um, in so many ways, with hindsight, uh, you were very lucky because he has helped you recognize and, and come to terms with your own identity, which which of course can be difficult and painful and raw and emotional and 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 so much more. I don't even know what all you must have been going through. Only you would know that. But but yeah. of course having that that kind of um, little tool, he was he was the person who helped. Um, yeah. And he didn't realize that he was helping and that's and that's yeah. the power. And of course fact that that you had all these unconscious implicit Opinions, uh, we call them unconscious mm. bias, opinions, assumptions, thoughts mm. Um, mm. about how we should be in our identity, in our sexuality. Of course, it's got yeah. to be like this. And suddenly, because of this, this, and I use the word consciously, wonderful experience that yeah. you had with this, this young man, you, you have learned and grown and, and you are now in terms, you know, confident in your own identity. And I mean, yeah. I don't know how to respond to that. I think that's that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's just wonderful. So, yeah. so what's what's next, AJ? Because you 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 are you're an actor. You're pursuing a career as an actor. You yeah. you love singing. You love dramatics, and that's obviously one of the reasons why you were also in the strip club, as you already mentioned. Um, yeah. You are now very much comfortable in your own identity. Um, yeah. But through these last few years. Um, I'm sure listeners would be asking me this question, so I'm going to ask you, what about family support and so on? How did all that go? Is that fine? Um, um, did you have good family support? Or if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine too. No, that's all right. Um, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, 
Well, to be honest, it's like interesting because it's like, did you have good family support? But I'd say, to be honest, it's 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 um such a recent thing, but it's not a past thing. I came out to my family very recently, um, and I came to terms with myself very recently. My, I actually have not seen my family in person since coming out to any of them, um, because. My extended family lives partially in the UK, partially in South Africa, and partially in New Zealand. And then as for my immediate family, which would be I have two brothers and my parents. My parents live um, in Northland, which is basically almost at the opposite end of the country to where I am right now. Um, And my brother lives in a completely different city. And then my other brother also lives in the UK. So I haven't seen them in person yet um and i'd say for the most part so a lot of our communication happens over video call or phone calls or whatever um and they've all seen what's going on and i'm also a very open person because i i share a lot on social media and stuff like that um so they all know what's going on and they've been good um my brother who lives in new zealand um has been the most amazing and supportive which is something that really surprised me actually because when we lived together as teenagers him and I didn't really get along very well um but I'd say out of everyone he's he's just been amazing and I'm yeah I'm quite lucky in the fact that my parents as well I think maybe they don't understand but they're making such a massive effort to understand um yeah and that's something I'm really lucky for that's so wonderful. And that's very generous of you to say that as well, because you are so right. You know, we we not none of us really understand what's what the other person is feeling. Only they will understand that mm. as long as people are making the effort and really listening, mm. really listening. I mean, this is a thing about, you know, whatever unconscious biases that any one of us might have about anything, not just about mm. transgender or sexuality or any of that, but anything at all. But when you actually really listen to the other individual. Only then are you able to begin to understand what perhaps their story is and what they're going through rather than jumping to conclusions about whatever we might think it should be like or shouldn't be like. Um, yeah. And so I think that's that's you're so right. So that's lovely to hear. So, AJ, what kind of advice can you give us, give our listeners um, on overcoming unconscious bias? What what kind of learning have you taken away in your various experiences? Um, I think that, I think for me, the main thing, um, I had to do when it comes to unlearning my unconscious bias and becoming more aware of that is, is noticing just, just, I think being mindful and, and noticing, you know, things which might happen to you socially or your interactions with other people um and you just notice that like little resistance within yourself and you don't know why like something annoys you or something makes you feel defensive or whatever um I think just noticing that and even if something scares you um just being willing to listen I think is the main thing as you said um listen to other people um and yeah, just being open and listening um, and being willing to acknowledge that your ideas <laughs> and experiences um, 
or your ideas might be wrong or misled and that there's and and there's always more to learn that's brilliant that is absolutely brilliant be mindful listen recognize that you're there's always more to learn that is so amazing yeah. aj jua i can't tell you how much i appreciate uh, your time and this conversation with you thank you so much for taking this call in new zealand thank you thank you so much for having me thank you for listening to stories of unconscious bias with me smitha tharoor stay tuned for the next interview in a week's time you can follow me on instagram and twitter for updates on my episodes at smitha tharoor